the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon and greetings. Thanks for coming along for the Friday edition of The Ride Home. It's the best edition. Promises to be a big show, a very big show. It's about 140 degrees in studio. Listen, I would normally say, John, that's such an exaggeration. Mm -hmm. I think you might be underselling it. We're somewhere in that ballpark. Okay, so the the deal is, at least in this corner of the the building Mm -hmm. here at Seven Parkway Center, Apparently, a mysterious part has broken. Yes. And so our our studios are super... The rest of the building seems to be fine. The other side of the building seems to be fine. Our neighbors across the hall, they're waving to us while they're... Happily sipping working. something cool. And we... We're like Albert Books in, in, in Going Home to America. I mean, we, we, we are like flop sweating. I mean, seriously. Right. It's like uh, airplane. Yes. Right? Like... Way, way. Anyway. It, so I just saw a uh, like a, an ancillary thermometer that mm-hmm. someone keeps on their desk. And uh, it's 87 degrees. How can it be 87? It's 87 degrees in their office, mm-hmm. which is not on the sun side of the building. So in our offices, I'm guessing it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's over 90. If ever there was a reason to work from home, it would be today. <laughs> oh. Not, uh, all that to say, today is um, National Bird Day. I didn't know. The National Bird Day. For those people who are... Are, uh, f- have the bird feeders or just love the winged fowl. Happy National Bird Day to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. I was up in the... Uh, I know uh, nothing about birds, but wish I did. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably true for most people, right? Because yeah. we're surrounded by them. I got a um, a hummingbird feeder for Christmas. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome yeah, gift. I've, I've always wanted to have humming. I've, I feed birds regularly in the yeah. backyard, but never had hummingbirds, so look forward to that. Did you put it up yet? No, it's, okay. no, it's not this season. Okay. Was, was that a dumb question? No, it's not fine. Because okay. you, it's like you said you don't know, don't know. So it's not hummingbirds. I was in the backyard the other day. There were two bucks in the backyard clacking into each other. You know how they do that? Yes. Sort of, you know, I was literally 15 feet away <gasps> watching this. I looked up in the sky. There were two hawks circling above. And then I looked down at my coat, and there were two stink bugs on me. So it was a, a day of near and deep wildlife reverie in the backyard. Coming up on the show today, I'm looking forward to this because we've got kind of a look back, like a 2023 entertainment retrospective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we've got. Movies, yeah. streaming, Yeah, whatnot. so we're going to do our top 10 mm-hmm. uh, movies and TV shows. Okay, good. Uh, John, you'll handle the, fi- handle the film side. Thank you. I'll handle the TV side. Right. Um, that's coming up today at 440, so you can kind of compare your best of 2023 20, list against ours. If you have one. If you have one. I bet, 
I bet they do. I'm not sure. I think they do. There's a lot to keep no, track of, I think, isn't it? I, I, think, I think people are responsible in that way. How about our friend Mark Hollingsworth, who keeps lists every year of all the things isn't he's watched, incredible? seen, thought about, that. read? Yeah, I absolutely love amazing. that. Uh, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, um, we'll talk about opposites attracting mm-hmm. or not. New research today, an article by the Associated, Profess- uh, Associated Press says, no way, that, that's an old wives' tale. Yeah, opposites do not attract. Anyway, also the week in review in the five o'clock hour. What is everybody talking about this week? What have we been reading, eating, listening to, all those sorts of things? And what to do in Pittsburgh this weekend? Very nice. Okay, with all that said, as we get underway with the Friday show, we always start the show off by looking at the news stories of the day. So, Kath, please give us the top four at four. For Friday, January 5th, John, that's today. Lovely. 2024. Number one. The Food and Drug Administration announced today they've decided to allow the first state, Florida, to import drugs from Canada, a move that could change the way we all obtain prescription medicines and could reduce our cost. Several other states have filed similar requests with the agency. The plans are likely, though, of course, to face obstacles to taking immediate effect, including lawsuits from drug makers and opposition from Canadian authorities. There are also, John, some safety concerns about importing drugs that the FDA can't vouch for quality wise mm-hmm. like what if they sit in a hot mailbox for a long time or what if it's a you know what i mean there's a big difference there's, between how we look at drugs and how the rest of the world does. exactly so we'll, we'll wait and see um but um drug importation has been a rallying cry for patients who are dependent on them for doctors who prescribe them politicians seeking a way to curb costs whatever um, the fda will have to approve the labels of any drugs to be imported as well as make sure the imports are authentic and safe among all sorts of other steps Thank you. And of course, the drug companies are up in arms. Of course. That's Mm -hmm. from today's Wall Street Journal. Number two. A new batch of unsealed documents pertaining to Jeffrey Epstein's sexual abuse of teenage girls was released yesterday, adding several hundred pages to a whole trove of info detailing how he leveraged connections to the rich, the powerful, and the famous to recruit his victims and cover up his crimes. The documents so far, and new ones were released today, were sprinkled with names of celebrities and politicians who socialized with him and worked with him in the years before he was publicly accused. They also contain the accounts of some of Epstein's young victims, many of whom were in high school. Wow. Creepy and sad. Absolutely sad. And those who were there should pay. Ghislaine Maxwell, age 62, convicted of sex trafficking charges, is serving a 20-year prison sentence. Epstein killed himself in 2019 while he was awaiting trial on trafficking charges. That's from today's AP. Number three, the successful campaign to oust two Ivy League presidents has emboldened Republican lawmakers and their allies who think they have some momentum and perhaps a new playbook to reverse what they see as the progressive takeover of American education. There's an interesting article about this also in today's Wall Street Journal. Politicians are arguing that Americans like us have become skeptical of liberal curriculum and the consideration of race in academic promotions. After the scrutiny of campus administrators such as Claudine Gay, the first black president of Harvard and a proponent of more diversity in academia, who stepped down this week following allegations of plagiarism. Don't forget uh, University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill, who also had to resign. So we'll kind of see. I don't know. It's kind of a wait and see if this is just the beginning of a big thing or Maybe this is a standalone situation. And number four, a rather enormous game, John, for the Steelers. Not Sunday, but tomorrow. The Ravens have secured the number one seed in the AFC. They won't have to play in wild card weekend. So they're resting a bunch of players, including Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. Um, Here's the thing, though. It's still the Ravens. 
their backup quarterback is still very good, and we are still the Pittsburgh Steelers. Exactly. And that is your top four at four. Mm-hmm. Exciting. I'm totally pumped about it. If we win tomorrow, a couple other things have to fall into place as well mm-hmm. for us to make it into playoffs. This is playoffs. dubious. So if we win and the Bills lose or the Jags lose, then we're in the playoffs. Okay, Bills or Jags. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you want so to be in the playoffs? Well, of course. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be in the playoffs? Well, what if we stink? Well, what I mean, if we're in the playoffs, we lose forty-eight nothing. Well, why would you look at it like that? Uh, just because I am, because, because it's the Steelers. All I know had... is I like the Steelers with Mason Rudolph. Me too. I just I look do. Forward to the I game. like. I'm excited to I watch. I like how they look. I think it's a fun team to watch. I don't have an anxiety attack five minutes exactly. in. Exactly. Let's hope the mojo continues with Mason please. Rudolph, please. Right. Okay, we'll take a quick step away because it's a Friday show. We're a little bit lighter today. Mm-hmm. When we do come back, we're going to speak to a poet, a man who has a different perspective of the world, perhaps than you and I. A poet's view on time and the New Year's. That's straight ahead. We're Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. It's Word FM. Well, of course, the new year is upon us, and I believe it's on a lot of people's minds as you turn the page. What does it feel like, though, to be a poet and look at time and the new year, as opposed to just you and I, just regular people? A poet maybe has a heightened sense of the world that we somehow lack. Well, we welcome back our favorite poet. Misha Willett is with us. Misha has been a guest many times over these past few years. He is the author of two books of poetry, Elegy, Beta, and Phases. His poems appear in translation essays, academic articles, teaches English at Seattle Pacific University, and he joins us now. Hey, Misha, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year, Pittsburgh. Yes, Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Misha, you are starting the new year with a newish baby. Indeed. Cicely Rose is uh, standing up now. What? Whoa. Very nice. It's funny. She, she, let, she doesn't know how to get back down, but she knows how to get up. Nice. That's awesome. So it was a busy holiday for you. It was that. Thankfully, it didn't include any traveling. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a new baby in the house is another barometer of the passage of time, isn't it? Oh, it's funny. They're they're like tick marks up the door, right, of a closet. We had three children raised in the same house. And when we just now moved out, we could see their ages and sizes. It's unbelievably poignant. Don't you love that? Mm -hmm. Uh, It was hard to leave that behind, wasn't it? We cried. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Just their pencil marks on the door, but the, it means so much. Yeah, the transition. But moving forward with three kids and a new house, that's going to be a good feeling. Yes, especially for them. Um, they have their own rooms now mm. for the first time ever. Very nice. Okay, so all of those things that the perhaps the, that the rest of humanity just accepts, okay, we're moving, it's sad that we're going to say goodbye to the pencil marks, and oh, our kids are going to have their, their first, you know, uh, single rooms for the first time. Mm-hmm. Is it different as a poet? Like, do you look at those things and they hit you more deeply than they would hit the average person? You know, I, it's funny, I've been thinking about how we measure time recently, because there's any number of ways that we can do that, right? So, as an academic, my new year always starts in September. Mm-hmm. And that's how I talk to my wife. Like, next year I'm going to do this. And she thinks, wait, 2024 right. or September? What are you saying? <laughs> and then, of course, as a Christian, the, the Christian year begins in Advent. We started a new year a month and a half ago. Yeah. 
right? And then I can also measure my life in books. Like there's the time I was working on that one, then it came out, and the time I was working on that one. And that's just as clear a measure of my progress through life. Uh-huh. And your birthday. And then my birthday is coming right up as well. Bless you for remembering. <laughs> <laughs> so time is weird. It's, it's, it's cyclical. It's elastic. It means different markers at different places. Uh, but it's all the same in some way. I mean, there's a linear motion to time, right? You look back to what you once were as a 15-year-old, and now you see yourself uh, in your career with a family and a wife and children and, and all that. It's still time. Yeah, that, I was thinking about that because um, Epiphany, we're having an Epiphany party tomorrow Are you? at my church. And of course, Epiphany is the moment when, when the wise men from the East recognize the Messiah for, for who he is, uh, an infant. And time itself changes, right? We start measuring from year one, not long after that point. Our, our whole years are counting from that Epiphany. I love it. So when you enter into a time like Epiphany, is it the time when you start writing about it? Or do you start writing about the time we're entering into six months ago so that you're like ready and prepared? <laughs> yeah, I actually look forward to Epiphany. Some, it's my favorite Christian season. Is so it? Some people like Christmas better or Advent or some people who you know, like to restrict themselves. They prefer Lent or just ordinary time when that's who cares. We do whatever we want. But as a poet, I like epiphany because that's what poetry leads to, the realization, this, aha, I've got it, (laughs) right? And that's what epiphany means also. Yes. So what does it look like to go to an epiphany party, mindful of time and the beginning of all things? Uh, Yeah, it's funny because parties are supposed to be celebratory. And in one sense, that's what we're doing. But we're also looking back at, at the death of a year, the death of a time, right? Our church just moved. Mm. So we, we're not in that space where my kids grew up either, where the first two of them were crawling, um, where I was, where my children were baptized. Like that place is gone. And my family's about to move too. This is our last year in Seattle, uh, wow. almost for sure, after 21 years. So there's a lot of rue attached to our celebration of the new thing that's coming. Uh-huh. Rue and with the rue, somewhat um, longing or anxiety of what future time holds. Yeah, that's right. I, I'm, I'm feeling very peaceful and in the Lord's capable hands, but the, the, the champagne bottle is bubbling. I feel like there's, <laughs> there's something stirring and about to pop as I'm <laughs> gritting my teeth, like wondering what's next. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm sure as you jump in the moving van and uh, put all your things, all your worldly possessions inside a big box, uh, that anxiety will bubble up in a different way. Yeah, well, ho- hopefully we're going toward something and not just away mm. from something. Good. Okay, so that's right. something to think on, right? Yes, that's Moving towards something. And for those of us who believe in Jesus, I think that's uh, the refrain. We, I just finished studying the book of Revelation. Um, that's uh-huh. the refrain that that book keeps coming back to, yeah. is that we're moving towards something. It's not, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, it's not, so, the, it's not the apocalyptic end of all things. Right. It's yeah. the final start of the real thing. Amen. That's beautifully said. It's it's the end of the Bible. And so people think about it like this is concerning last things. But 
know that the new heavens and new earth are descending, right? It's a hinge book. Mm-hmm. Misha Willett is with us. He's a poet. You can follow Misha online, MishaWillett.com. Misha, um, speaking of time and poetry, do you have something uh, for us? Uh, sure, yeah. This is a poem about trying to be present in those in-between times. It's by the Polish poet Adam Zagajewski. Uh, it's called Moment. In the Romanesque church, round stones that ground down so many prayers and generations kept humble silence and shadows slept in the apse like bats in winter furs. We went out. The pale sun shone. Tinny music tinkled softly from a car. Two jays studied us, humans. Threads of longing dangled in the air. The present moment is shameless, taking its foolish liberties beside the wall of this tired old shrine, awaiting the millions of years to come. Future wars, geological eras, ceasefires, treaties, changes in climate. This moment, what is it? Just a mosquito, a fly, a speck, a scrap of breath. And yet it's taken over everywhere, entering the timid grass, inhabiting stems and genes, the pupils of our eyes. This moment, mortal as you or I, was full of boundless, senseless, silly joy, as if it knew something we didn't. <laughs> That's excellent. Uh, this present wall is shameless. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because when you do that, it's so easy to think this is all there is, right? It, this moment right now is happening all over the world. Yeah. Like it's some kind of king. Right. Mm-hmm. I often think of, like, uh, sometimes I'll go back to my hometown and I'll go by a building that I remember when I was in elementary school. And I think uh-huh. those bricks are still there. They don't know <laughs> of my passing or going forward, but I ascribe some sort of power to that. I mean, Things last a long time, and our lives are wrapped around that, even though we pass by, and the, many things are not aware of that. Isn't that funny, the way, the way a place can hold both memory and imagination and be so full for one person, and to another person, it, it's just nothing. It's just a cul-de-sac, right? right? But it's where you learn to start riding your bike, so yeah. it's, it's holy. Yeah, or you walk by, you know, if you're on a walk and you you pass by the hospital. Well, you're just on a walk passing by the hospital, but, you yeah, know, 50, 50 yeah. feet to your right, there's somebody in there right. who's, yeah. you know, in a moment of life or death. Right. Sure. And he'll or, never or be the, the same. hospital where both my children are born near a coffee shop here. And I always pointed out, that's where you guys arrived. Mm-hmm. The factory where my father worked, they tore down years ago. And uh, while they were doing that, I, I went by and clipped a piece of the fence off, just this little oh, tiny gosh. piece of this rusted old fence. And I sent it to my brother in an envelope, and he was like, what is this? <laughs> did he get it? Or he did after he did, I yeah. told him. Yeah. I was like, this is our DNA. This is your father's blood, sweat, and tears right. in right, a right. piece of metal. Mm-hmm. Right. It's amazing the number of things we can make beautiful by attaching stories to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah, and how meaningless items are when you don't have that. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> All right, before you leave us, uh, how about uh, one more poem, Misha? Uh, here's one about the nature of time generally. I think most of your listeners will recognize the reference to a, a popular song lyric. Uh, this one's mine, and it's just published in a place called Reformed Journal. It's called O 
Lord through the revolution. That time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future (laughs) isn't true, strictly speaking. It slips past, if anything, like a train. It also slips into the past as if the past were a bog capable of swallowing trains, an enormous suck into which disappear entire railroading concerns and also everything else. But flying like an eagle? Oh yes, Stephen Howarth Miller, that for sure. I love that. First of all, that's Steve Miller's best song. But but I love, you know, there are things that take us over at times. You know, you look back and you think, I remember that month in my life when I couldn't think of anything but X or that year in my life. And imagine how the past just swallows it up. It loses its power. It just, it does. Yeah, it just... Mm-hmm. That's incredible. I love that poem. The bog. Yeah, the bog. That's Very really nice. great. Yeah. It swallows <laughs> things up, right? I mean, a lot of fun to make. I mean, all the railroads, all that, all that just gone, gone, yep. gone, yeah. gone. Misha, that's appears, wonderful. Right? Yeah. Really good. Well, hey, listen, thanks for being with us. Uh, it's nice to touch base with you, um, to have your perspective. It's be- always beautiful, always thoughtful. And um, uh, we'll be thinking about you, uh, about Cicely Rose and uh, the rest of your family as you move forward. Um, we'll stay in touch and do this again I, another time. I appreciate you all. Happy New Year. You as well. Misha Willett, he's a poet. Um, he's moving on, but we'll talk to him again. Right now, he's at Seattle Pacific University. You can find him online at MishaWillett.com. It is time once again for this or that. It's self-explanatory. This one. Or that one. Mm, it's a lot of pressure, really. Mm, really? I think so. I think I've gotten used to it, but at its heart, I believe it is anxiety producing. Really? Performative? Perfect. <laughs> it is. Okay. All right. Well, this or that. Here mm-hmm. we go. <clears throat> Skateboarding. Bungee jumping. <laughs> you mean for me to watch or pursue? Pursue. Pursue. Um, well... <laughs> Well, neither, John. Thank you for asking. It's I'm going to say, okay, or that. Uh, skateboarding. Okay, because you're closer to the ground. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not, you're not going to find me on a bungee, willingly. Frivolity, solitude. Fol- <laughs> well, I'm actually going to choose frivolity. Oh, yeah. That's surprising. Attending the Indy 500, attending the Masters. Definitely the Masters. Mm. Not mm. even, there's, not even I can't even think of another sporting event I'd like to go to more really? than that. Okay. Yes. Trying out a new recipe. Your favorite comfort food. Oh, trying out a new recipe. Uh-huh. Creating a new family budget. Planning this year's vacation. <laughs> Planning this year's <laughs> vacation. <laughs> Budgeting is one of my least favorite things. Mm. Thank you very much. Being 100% debt free. A one year sabbatical. Oh, gosh. Well, that's hard because debt-free is... The holy grail of all it life. It is the whole... But a one-year sabbatical? I'm Seriously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay some interest and go for the sabbatical. Oh, are I you? Am, I am. You're out of here. I am. Mm-hmm. The birth of your first grandchild. 
taking an around-the-world sojourn. Well, how are you supposed it's to this answer? this or that, Sean. Okay. Well, of course I'm going to pick the birth of oh, my really? grandchild. Well, of course. I want to hit the, you just said you want to hit the road on well, your sabbatical. I mean, I do, but if I have to pick, I don't want to like not pick a child because that's going to be terrible. Attending a luxurious dinner party with 30 of your closest friends. A quiet B&B dinner for just the two of you. Quiet. Well, I like both. Yep, watch this or that. No, I'm going to pick the quiet dinner. A large, guilt-free shopping spree. A week poolside. Oh, a week poolside. Mm-hmm. Going national. Yeah. Shutting it down. <laughs> I mean, I just have to say going national. Okay. I do. I have right. to. Good. I have Good. to. Having a facelift. Yes. Going gray. <laughs> oh, I'm not having a facelift. <laughs> But I'm not going. I'm never going gray. It's this or that. I'm never going gray. You never? I don't think so. No, I would. would. So you're saying. Okay, I'm going gray. Okay. I'm not. Steelers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Pirates in the World Series. Um, Well, I think I'd rather the Pirates in the World Series. Mm -hmm. I think because it seems like that's seriously more unattainable, Mm -hmm. even though the Steelers have been terrible. Having your house cleaned weekly. Having a weekly massage. A weekly massage. Oh, uh, very nice. I would I love. Agree. You know, I've I've only had one massage in my whole life. One. I know. Oh yeah. Well, that's it's certainly a luxury. It isn't sure it? is, and mm-hmm. I'd like to avail myself cool. of it. I'll tell you right now. Is there a masseuse for the ride home? I would. Yeah, the ride home masseuse. <laughs> We'd be happy to advertise for you. Um, that's my this or that. I no surprise. Twenty twenty four is only five days old. Yep. And so I have for you the New Year's edition. Oh. Oh. Of this or that. All right. Thank Are you. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Number one. Many cultures, John, believe eating round foods on New Year's Eve will lead to prosperity. Would you, would, <laughs> would you choose a grapefruit or a kiwi? I like them both. Um, yeah, they're both. I, I like the the quickness and the weird tartness of a kiwi. Okay. Is that what you're choosing? Yes, it is. All right. Kiwi or lime? Oh, oh! what goes with the lime? Just a lime by itself? It still has to be a kiwi. Well, no. Okay. I can't believe you didn't pick lime. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. Just by itself. Be- lime? or No, I'm sorry. Kiwi yeah. or donut? Oh. <laughs> Both round. Both round. Hey, give me a donut. Okay. Oh, I mean, it's the start of the new year. <laughs> All right. What am I going to say? No to the donut? Sake. Okay. Watching the ball drop at Times Square again, <laughs> you, as you've done before. Yeah. Or try the Sartori Big Cheese Drop, celebrating Plymouth, Wisconsin, the cheese capital of the world. Yeah, I, I've done that. One sentence is enough to I go can't to Times Square. Uh, I'm going to Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. The big cheese. Bring it. That'd be fun, right? It would be a lot of fun. Uh, the 50 tons of trash that were left in Times Square after New Year's Eve yeah. this year. Yeah. Or the unwatchable New Year's Rock and Eve telecast. Uh, oh, they, they were horrible. Did you watch any of that? And I couldn't. I, I Like five seconds. Yeah. And I was like, I can't do this. What? So I'm going to walk through the 50 tons of trash. I, is that what you're doing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Take stock of 2023, John, or make resolutions for 2024. Hmm. Well, I take stock of a lot. You know how I get. I know. It. Believe yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's exhausting. So I, I'll make a you're resolution. Taking, sure. You're going to make good. Good. Yeah, good yeah, for you. Yeah. Okay. Learn something. Learn something new this year. Will you take a pasta making course or try yoga? Oh, I've done yoga. Okay. Uh, I'd like to make some pasta. Go. Some fresh pasta with my little machine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make some fresh pasta. Declutter your house uh-huh. or plant a tree. Oh, you know, it's boy. still warm enough. You can plant a tree. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm happy to declutter. Your New Year's wish list. More George Santos in 2024 or more Hunter Biden? 
More George Santos. <laughs> We live in this fantastic era where we are surrounded, I mean, inundated mm. with entertainment. I know it. To our, probably to our detriment, probably. right? Too much. I mean, if you wanted to, you could never leave your, you don't have to leave your house. And, and you could watch just good things. Yeah, it wouldn't a lot be, of good it wouldn't be like you'd say, oh, that was garbage. There's just, it's like there's not enough time to watch all the good things that have been produced. The only problem is finding the good things, like reaching, for, doing your research to find really good things to watch, yeah. right? Because if you just rely on the streaming services, oh my gosh, their you're going to get stuck in the mire and you're going to waste a lot of yeah, time. Yeah, a lot of garbage. Okay, so uh, let's do a quick look back at best films of 2020. Yeah. And what you watched in 2023 streaming wise, right? Great. Because I tend to watch movies. You tend to watch more episodic streams, right? right? Uh huh. Okay. So here's my quick list. Oh, I'm excited. Of what okay. I watched this year. You don't have to be too quick because okay. I'm kind of, I've been looking forward to this. Um, I would say, uh, let me start off my list with uh, Miyazaki's The Boy and the Heron. Which is in theaters now. Okay, now is this ignorant for me to ask? Is this animated? Yes. Okay, it is. That's what I thought. Miyazaki is an 82 year old master of Japanese animation. And over decades, he has produced, I would say, the finest animation anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. His stories are beautiful and mysterious, longing, uh, very funny, ridiculous. They cross over from the culture. It doesn't, you know, a lot of times when you look at a Japanese film, it's specifically for a Japanese audience, or it's hard to translate it, not Miyazaki. The Boy and the Heron, highly recommended. It's out right now. It's in the original Japanese version, which is, you know, Japanese um, speakers, right? Uh, or you can watch it and hear subtitles or, or, you know, famous actors do the dialogue over the Japanese. What do you recommend? The subtitles. Okay. The Boy and the Heron. Um, I also saw this week, uh, this year, Asteroid City. Um, Don't even that doesn't even ring a bell to me. It's a really great film. Uh, it's set in 1955. It's a futuristic retro play within a play. It's a movie and a love story together. Asteroid City. That's streaming right now. Really, star mm-hmm. and starring anyone we would know. Uh, it's a who's who of Hollywood. I would say that. Really? Yes, Asteroid City. Ad- Asteroid City. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, there is a film that has not yet made its way to Pittsburgh, but is a must-see, I believe, for everyone. It's called The Zone of Interest. And it is a story, it's a fictional story, of a family who lives right outside the gates of Auschwitz. Mm-hmm. And these are the people who run the camp. the camp. And they think they are in heaven. And they live this idyllic life, mother, father, children. But in the distance, they hear the din of the horror of what's happening in the camps. But they're oblivious. They don't know? They do know. It's the commandant's house. They're oblivious to it. It's their slice of perfection, the zone of interest. It's at times horrible, sickening, and beautiful. Hmm. Maestro. Mm. This is Bradley Cooper and Carey Mulligan. This is Leonard Bernstein. This is a wonderful film. I mean, I was so excited. I loved it, especially the first act. It delves into the nature of creativity and the nature of sexuality, for better or worse. But it's a beautiful film. It really is. And it's a time capsule of the 1960s and 1970s. And it shows a man with great talent, great ambition. There's also a matter of luck involved, but someone who rises to the occasion. 
Maestro, Bradley Cooper. I'd say it's it's his masterpiece. It's okay. his strong second act. Okay, so what about Bradley Cooper? He he started out in episodic TV, mm-hmm. and he has taken Hollywood. Is, he's how made how do you feel about him as an actor? I love him. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the greatest actor. This is a great film, and he gives a wonderful performance. I'm telling you. Yeah. It's really, really worth watching. It's streaming right now on Netflix for free. Will it be uh, nominated for Best Picture? Uh, that's always a... I don't know. It should be. I believe it should okay. be. Okay. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, Oppenheimer, I saw. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed in Oppenheimer. Mm. I know some people really loved Oppenheimer. To me, it, the story, how they told... the the. The thread of the story they told to choose, they, they chose, was a weird story. Oppenheimer, the guy, is fascinating, but I think that they sort of sidestepped it in some way. Um, it's okay. I, I liked it. I would see it again, actually. Probably better the second time around for me. Okay. I was disappointed just in the narrative. And it'll be nominated for Best Picture. It has to be. Probably. Maybe. I mean, all bets are off as far as what the cabinet says. Um, Barbie. I love Barbie. I mean, a lot of this was the summer of Barbieheimer, right? The two big blockbusters, Barbie and the Oppenheimer film. It was a great surprise. It was. There's a lot of backlash about it, whatever. I mean, if you're so fragile because of what you consider man-hating, it's a cartoon, basically. And it's a send-up. And it's funny. The visual style is fabulous. It's clever. I laughed a lot. So, yeah, I I love Barbie. Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Oh, Yeah. Judy Bloom's book yeah. brought to the film. It was excellent. It's a coming-of-age story in the 1970s. It's super sweet. It concerns a young girl who leaves her home in New York, goes to a new school where she has to meet a whole new set of friends. Um, her mother's Catholic. Her father's Jewish. There is an absence of faith in the family. She's curious, and she goes on a discovery. Hmm. It's excellent. All right. Um, stop Making Sense which is my one holdover. It's a Talking Heads concert film. I believe it's the greatest concert film ever made. What? I do. I loved it. And I love the Talking Heads. What? It's so full of energy. It's so full of ambition. There's great creativity. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Saw in the theaters. I'd see it again in a heartbeat. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would say, and this is, I know that people wouldn't agree with this, but it doesn't matter to me. My favorite film of the year was The Holdovers. Yeah, the it's streaming right now. Paul Giamatti. I mean, Paul Giamatti and a first-time actor, Dominic Sessa. It's a story about a Christmas break at a boys' boarding school in the 1970s. This is a film that really shouldn't have been made in 2023. It's a holdover film. It's something that should have been made in the 1970s or the 1980s. It is deep. It's profound. There's a lot of longing. And there's a lot of God talk in it for better and or worse. The Holdovers. Do yourself a favor and watch that. Wow. So those are your top films of the year? That's it, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then I'm going to move on to TV. Okay, good. I've got my top 10 as well. Excellent. Um, Again, these TV shows weren't necessarily released in 2023, but when you open up your streaming service... All bets are off, right? So I'm going to go with number 10, The Magpie Murders. Uh, The Magpie Murders is a PBS product. Um, If you like Masterpiece Theater or any one of those, it was put together by those same people. Um, It is a mystery within a mystery. It's based on a best-selling book by Anthony Horowitz. And so what's happening with the main character is that she is a publisher, and she's trying to get a book published. And... Then she starts to read the book, 
and so then another story is going on. Oh, so you're cool. watching her story as the publisher, and you're watching the unfolding story oh, of the it. book. And the acting, Leslie Manville, hmm. is so wonderful. She also started Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, um, which I heard was wonderful. Oh, that's but a great. Did, yeah. I saw that. Okay, I she, loved it. Well, she stars in this, too. She is so really? wonderful. Uh, yeah, so Magpie Murders, you can find it uh, on BritBox. Uh, number nine is The Morning Show. Um, it's a TV drama. It starred Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell. It's on Apple TV. Um, I have not seen the latest series, but I absolutely loved the first two. It is not for kids. It has absolutely wretched, wretched language and wretched human behavior. But it is so thoughtfully done, especially being in the business that John and I are in. I can't kind of get out of my head when I'm watching it. If you have any background in media um, or... It, it it just kind of gives a window into that. That's not us. It's not us. Not no. It's not us. <laughs> it's not our story. No. I should shout that. But um, the whole idea of how um, people who are in media kind of have to relate to their jobs, I think, is really it's a. It's really, really well done. Morning show. Number eight, Slow Horses. Um, it's a spy thriller, also on Apple TV. And um, it stars Gary Oldman, who is mm. such a star. He's a star. He's such a star. Jack Loudon uh, also stars in it, along with Kristen Scott Thomas. Mm, I love and, her, too. man, is it a good cast. And it's also based on a book series. It's about a group of people who uh, worked uh, in MI5, and um, which is the intelligence service in the UK, and got kicked out for really ridiculous reasons. But all those reasons are their own fault. So, like, one guy had a top-secret file, and he left it on the train. Oh. Another guy developed a gambling habit. Another woman can't solve crimes unless she is, you know, getting high. So all of these people are, are put together in this group that MI5 knows about but kind of can't control. So they don't want to let these people go because they're very, very good, but at the same time, they have massive personal flaws. <laughs> and Gary Oldman is the one who's in charge who has the most personal flaws of all. It is really, really well done. Number seven is For All Mankind, which is about the space program. It's an alternate TV history. Uh, What if the Russians would have been the first country, the first people to walk on the moon instead of America? What would that, how would that have changed our perspective on our own country? Um, And how would it have changed our uh, need to keep the fight up with Russia, who's going to do the next great thing in space, who's going to do the next great thing in space. The the effects are incredible. The actual sets are unbelievable. It interweaves historical figures into it. It's so incredible uh, for all mankind. It's on Apple as well. Um, And the first season, even if you don't choose to watch the second and third season, um, the first season is absolutely incredible. And number six is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which started in 2013 and starred Andre Brower, who just passed away within the last uh, four or six weeks. And it is the funniest 22 minutes you will find. It is just... It, you have to give it, you know, like any short show like that, four or five episodes to kind of get it. Andy Samberg is the one who created the show, and he's also the star. But the cast is the same throughout the whole thing from beginning to end. It is so lighthearted, but so heartwarming. 
And knowing that it was the last thing that Andre Brower was going to do before his untimely death just gives it a lot of pathos to me. I just love this show. If you need something that's going to give you a lift uh, in 2024, I'd recommend Brooklyn Nine-Nine. All right. How about we take a break and then come back? I finished the last five, um, my top five, actually, of TV for this year. We're so glad you're along. It's kind of the end of the year, beginning of the next year entertainment edition. I like it. It's the ride home. All right, we're back. We've been talking about our favorite things of 2023. John handled film. I'm handing... TV. Um, and so for the rest of this hour, only a couple minutes, I'm going to talk about my top five, which include Abbott Elementary, which is another 22 minutes of absolute hilarity. If you're uh, a teacher, if you're married to a teacher, if you know a teacher, I'm telling you, they're going to watch this and say, this is what it's like. Oh my gosh. I mean, it is so funny. Quinta Brunson is hilarious. It is such an outstanding cast. It's won Emmy after Emmy after Emmy. Totally deserved Abbott Elementary. Number four is Three Pines. Man, this is so good. It's a TV series starring Alfred Molina. It's based on a uh, series of 18 books written by a Canadian Louise Penny centered on one chief inspector who's played by uh, Mr. Molina and it is so beautifully done and if you've read the books, did they do a fabulous fabulous job with this show uh, it's only remaining a miniseries because it was just recently announced that it will not receive a second season which is a crying shame because it was so good Three Pines you can see it on Amazon Prime number three The Diplomat produced by Netflix starring Carrie Russell and Rufus Sewell it is outstanding it is a political thriller um, it is if you liked um, the Americans if you like anything about intelligence or political intrigue Carrie Russell plays the American ambassador to the UK and uh, it is absolutely great it's been nominated a uh, best show for this year she was nominated for best lead actress again totally deserved Rufus Sewell it's the best performance of his career in my opinion uh, number two all creatures great and small yeah. oh my gosh produced by PBS set in northern England in 1937 based on the series of books um, it just it doesn't get sweeter mm-hmm. than all creatures great and small in addition to the fact that it is the most beautiful setting you will find for a show the english countryside oh my god it's just absolutely incredible it stars samuel west anna madeley nicholas ralph callum woodhouse rachel shenton i mentioned all of them because every one of them deserves to be mentioned because it's such a gorgeous show um and my number one show of the year was homeland for those of you who listen to the show it's not going to be a surprise homeland uh, finished back in 2020 so i was late getting on the bandwagon but i watched it because it just popped up on hulu starring claire danes uh it really is one woman's story uh she's an intelligence operative who works for the cia who has a significant mental illness so it's a story about mental illness it's also a story of how the people who work in intelligence are people we will never know mm-hmm. but people who we owe such a tremendous debt to because it is their entire lives saving the world it is their entire lives mandy patinkin gives the best uh, I, the best thing i've ever seen him do what ever star. what a complete star claire danes plays that character from the first episode to the last episode she never quits there are the story goes up and down she never does how many seasons uh nine absolutely worthwhile it was the best tv i saw this year homeland 
Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Well, if you've been listening to local media, you would be wanting to run out and buy yourself gallons of milk and bread because Snowmageddon is coming. Yeah, exactly. Or is it? I don't think so, John. All right. This is uh, from today's trib. Um, Today's trivia says this, that the uh, Snowmageddon is a non-event. They say this, meteorologists at the National Weather Service in Pittsburgh are debunking social media posts that have predicted, predicted a foot of snow. I didn't hear about a foot of snow. Wait, okay, so people are getting their meteorology from social media? Social media, media right. It'll be a non-event, says Lee Hendricks, from the Weather Service in Moon. We'll see little to no accumulation Saturday or Sunday. Now, I thought we were going to see a few inches. Mm-hmm. One to three is what I was... But it's going to be warm. Right. 37, 38, 39 degrees. There's not going to be a lot of snow. Temperatures are expected to hover in the 30s both days. Saturday, seeing a slight chance of rain and snow with totals of less than half an inch. Well, then, what is the big deal? You know what the big deal is? We haven't had any snow for a long time. So people were excited thinking, oh, oh, something's going to happen here, something big. It's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen this week. We'll call off Monday because we can't get in. <laughs> That's right. What is happening, however, is that uh, our studios here atop uh, Parkway Center are uh, kind of close to the surface of the sun temp wise mm-hmm. it is mm-hmm. so incredibly hot mm-hmm. in our studios that i'm wearing a summer dress because it's been this way for three days right. uh our, our boss went home because he seriously was lightheaded i mean it's and i have bum bum sweat <laughs> <laughs> which is a real issue can you say it's a real issue for real people <laughs> listen i just went back to my uh office at the top of the hour news break yeah like it's it, it, you can't be in there. Yeah. It's it's easily if my if our boss's office was eighty seven, it's got to be ninety seven yeah. in our offices. This is clearly Dante's third ring of hell. Right. <laughs> We're you. somewhere in the ballpark. Right. Lexi, my tropical plants, you mm-hmm. know that I they're even they're suffering. Yeah. I bet they're yeah. I mean, it's just it's too much for them. They're crying out. They really are. Anyway, yeah. I mean, so I hope wherever you are, you're nice and warm and not t- too warm. Oh, is it too early for me to tell you? Tell me what. I forgot, didn't even say in the first hour. Your weekend's begun. Hey, fabulous! Oh my! It is. God. The weekend is finally here. Mm-hmm. You got plans for the weekend? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna start to clean my bedroom this weekend. What? Yeah. Our, so our bedroom has just, it's, gotten, just out of control. it's gotten out of control. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to hit it hard tomorrow. Are you going to pull the, butt, the bed away from the wall? Yep. Mm-hmm. And yeah. vacuum behind there. And you there. know what that's like. You know what that's like. Oh, Not my good. gosh. It just makes you feel like, think, yeah. what is wrong with my me? My head's been sitting exactly. here. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I may join you in that. Okay. Just, great. Because I've been thinking about, you know, I look at that behind there and I go, that is not good. No. That's a good encouragement. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Happy to help. All right. Um, th- this story's been making local rounds because it, it's a horror story. Uh, the dog ate my homework. Well, what about the dog who ate my money? That's what a couple in Point Breeze found themselves saying. Cecil, their seven year old golden doodle ate thousands of dollars. Um, so this couple, uh, Clayton and Carrie Law from Point Breeze, they pulled out $4,000 in cash from their bank account because they were having a fence installed. And the contractor said, cash only, please, 4000 bucks. So um, Clayton says he went to the bank, came home. He set the money down. I think he said he put it down. Um, On the kitchen counter? Let me see. Where it is it? Uh, uh, yeah, on the kitchen counter. Yeah. 
He turned his back and went away to do some chores, came back a short time later to see the golden doodle eating the money. And so there on the ground were shards of cash, shards of cash, right? 100-pound dog going, uh, going at the process. He said it was like balled up pieces that we had to kind of remove from his number two. That's not. That's what he said. While salvaging what they could, they washed the money clean. They found out that the bank would take back any bills that had been taped together with the full serial numbers visible on both ends. They did just that, and so far, they got back $3,550. Can you believe that? Okay, so he only digested $500. Right. Which is an appalling figure. It's a lot of But still better than four grand. He said, we're never mad. You just can't really blame an animal for what they do. They're an animal. They're not doing it to be malicious or anything. So I've really been laughing about it pretty much since that day. They're still trying to get back the rest of the money through the Department of the Treasury, but they say they're going to keep at least one bill and frame it. Good gravy. Doesn't that make you physically sick? So what's the deal? The golden doodle has become like the new have-to dog. Right. But it seems to me as though they're a little... Loose. Oh, you think? I think so. I keep on hearing stories about oh, okay. this dog is a little hard to control because it's it's science. It's a mel- a melding right. of, of right. breeds of dogs. Right. What's wrong with a mutt? Well, it is a mutt though. Well, but it's a it's oh, a it's, high end. You're mutt. right. It's a high end mutt. Right. Yeah. 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 Thousands well, and thousands of. Aren't dollars. they supposed to be hypoallergenic? Is that I why no they idea. have become such a big deal? You see them everywhere. They're very cute. They are very cute. They're extremely mm-hmm. cute. But any, why do dogs Delicious. eat stuff? I don't get it. Okay, here's something weird. We have this new dog, and he's super sweet. But the other day, <laughs> I looked down. He was chewing something, which he never chews. He was chewing a potholder. Like a cloth one? Like my kids made in yes, third grade. Yes, one my of those yarn ones. Pot right. Oh, my gosh. My guess is, I mean, it probably hasn't been washed since, you know, 1954. Right. Because it's my favorite potholder with the kids. It probably had some food residue on it. Somehow it was dropped on the floor. The dog picked it up and was like. Did I you sa- have to throw it away? No, I saved it. <laughs> It will live to see another pot. (laughs) (laughs) Coming up next, Dr. Richard Mao will be with us, professor of faith and public life at Fuller Theological Seminary in sunny Pasadena. Um, Richard says that perhaps all of our civility has declined because we stopped having dinner together. We'll talk about it next Friday edition. Right home. It's a special night out for sweethearts, couples, friends, parents, and kids, you name it. Join Word FM aboard the Gateway Clipper Empress because we've got a Valentine dinner cruise coming up. So Friday, February 16th is the night because Wednesday the 14th is amateur night. I think we all know that. So don't go out on Valentine's Day with the rest of humanity. Save your sweetheart for Friday night. It'll be on the Three Rivers. It'll feature a great dinner, fabulous views of the city with John and I and Lexi along for the ride. Tickets are on sale right now. Please get yours now at wordfm.com because we cannot wait to see you there. Very nice. Well, speaking of gathering, eating together, getting together, 
together. We're happy to welcome back our friend Richard Mao to the show. Richard's been a guest of ours over the many years. Richard is Professor of Faith and Public Life at Fuller Theological Seminary in Pasadena, California, where he served as president for more than 20 years. He's the author of numerous books. His latest is called Restless Faith, Holding Evangelical Belief in a World of Contested Labels. Richard, friend, Happy New Year to you. And Happy New Year to you, too. Great. Thanks. Very good. 2024. It's, it always feels like science fiction. Once, once we went from 1999 to 2000, it feels like I'm a man out of time, Richard. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, I yeah. know. All right, Richard. So talk about the importance of eating together. Uh, John yeah. and I were just talking about a news story yesterday about the best time of day to eat. And it was talking about digestion and all sorts of things. But the the story that was kind of underneath the story is that families don't eat together anymore. And so trying to come up with the best time for your digestion is actually easier than coming up with a time that everybody can agree on. That's right. Well, you know, I first started thinking about this topic when I was a as an academic administrator. uh, Suddenly I had to deal with food services on a campus, you know. And uh, I found out that um, they were they were structuring the new the new possible the, the new restructuring of, of food services on campuses is built around the idea of grazing stations. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I was in college, we ate at a table and people served us food. But uh, now you go into your any any college or university dining area. And it's not dining anymore. Uh, you go to there's a, there's a sandwich bar, there's a pizza bar, there's a uh, you know all kinds of things, and then you grab your yogurt on the way out, and you don't really sit and dine. Right. And 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 for me, this is a big issue because I think that eating together, and the family meal especially, is uh, it, it's our. I've written a lot about civility. You know, it's our first lesson in civility. Because in the family meal, when you're a kid, you have to sit at the table with people you're irritated with for 45 minutes. You can't get away, you know. And uh, that's where you learn a kind of uh, manners. And uh, these days, we're just not doing that. And, and, I mean, it may not be grazing at home, but it's browsing at home. You know? uh, we were, Phyllis and I were in a restaurant recently, and we saw this... Uh, this family sitting there, and it looked like they were praying. I said, isn't that wonderful, you know? Well, when I looked back a couple minutes later, they were still all bowed. Their heads were bowed, but they were looking at their phone, you know? And so... uh, but 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 life has changed. I mean, it's not it's not anybody's fault anymore. I mean, you got to pick the kids up uh, for soccer, and you're just running back and forth. It's a very different kind of thing. Yeah, but but it is true. I mean, you know that analogy, the example he just gave of we think we're praying, but actually we're worshiping a different god on our phones, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and Richard, I mean, so many things are learned at the dinner table, like you said. And I wonder, you know, we're so we're so disparate with each other. Would it were that all of us sat down? I mean, Trumpers and Bidens and all those people in between. And we were forced to sit down and have a three course or a four course 
meal that followed a flow. You were yeah. forced to sit down. And, of course, you're not going to sit in silence. You're going to have a conversation. And the conversation, yeah. in some ways, has to be civil because there you are at a dinner table. There's not going to be a food fight, hopefully. And, <laughs> and, and there's a flow to that conversation where there is an order to things. And maybe we could all learn a little something and not be so angry. Yeah, and I, I, that's right. And, and you know, you don't want to be idealistic and, and romanticize yeah. all of this and be sentimental. But the fact is that you are describing something that can happen. And that is sitting with a person with whom I disagree about public policy issues or who to vote for in an election, uh, that nonetheless we, we look each other in the eye and uh, we're sharing something together, and that's significant. That's really significant. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, as believers, of course, we take great credence from the Last Supper. Christ that's himself right. knew the power of a meal around the table. Of course, he shared the ultimate meal with us in the Eucharist. And so why can't we do that? It's just, yeah. it's a weird place we're in. And, you know, it's it's... For, for believers, uh, the meal, the family meal, is a time, too, when we pray. Yes. And we can establish a pattern of uh, reading a passage of Scripture or, or a brief devotional after the meal as well. So it's it can be very important from a Christian point of view how we go about uh, the fact of eating together. Yeah. Richard Mao is with us, former president of Fuller Theological Seminary. We're talking about the importance of sharing meals together. And, you know, we've been talking chiefly about family. Richard, you were talking about college students. Um, what about work lunches? Those are, yeah. the, those are things that have uh, basically died by the wayside. We did work lunches here All forever. the time. Every Friday, the entire use of staff used to gather in the conference room. There were yeah. 20, 25 people who would sit around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh. and COVID happened. And since then, it's just it's never rebounded. I know that, that we're not unique in that way. That's happened to a ton of people. I had three Triscuits for lunch today. <laughs> that's right. And I had trail mix and some iced tea. So that's where we are. But that I, I I think I also miss that. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm i with you on that. You know, and I, I actually I've just been writing on something. I won't go into all the detail. But when I was my last uh, my last summer as a college student, I worked for as a cement mixer for a bricklayer hmm. and a small crew. And Bucky, who was my boss, was a foul mouth guy. And uh, but, you know, he we, we ate together every day. <laughs> And I grew, I grew to really like the guy, yeah. you know, because he was funny in his own way, and he was, uh, he had empathy for people, you know. And there's something about that that, that, that uh, I think the work lunch can be a, a really change the character of work these days, which is so impersonal and and often uh, counterproductive for the energies that we need to be inspired to work well. Yeah. And yeah. you can't engineer something like that. And I know some some restaurants have tried to do that, like with, you know, so-called family dining <laughs> styles with the long tables. But people yeah. are people, and they're going to stay with their own, you know, comfort level. So you're not going to sit down and have, you know, macaroni salad with some guy who's a complete and total stranger. It just doesn't yeah, fit. Right. But, but that is the mold that we're called to in some way, isn't it? To yeah. share. And you know, I, I I hate to give an advertisement on on, on your show, but I mean, Go ahead. the Starbucks phenomenon 
has really introduced something that's good in our culture. Yeah. And that is people hang around in these coffee places, and they do, do get to know the folks who are serving them. And they do know, get to know the people who are, are sitting there with their laptops every day. And there are often conversations that take place that get us beyond the impersonality of public spaces. Yeah, that's really a good point. It is true. It may be the only public space, you know, that people gather freely with probably a lot of times without fear. Uh, what about, you know, of course, we as believers, we are proponents, for better or worse, of the Sunday potluck. I mean, yeah. and that's got its own style and its own menu. And a lot yeah. of jello. A lot of jello and broccoli salad. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, you know, the, I do think this is very important for the ministry of the church. I think there ought to be more meals at church. Yeah. And uh, it isn't just small groups, but uh, that's a good thing, too. But I think just having people gather around tables and have a meal is a good thing. And especially when we talk about the family meal, I mean, families, extended families are, are no longer around each other. I mean, we have geographic distances and uh, we have single people in the church. We have grieving people. We have people who've been recently divorced. And it's wonderful for them to be able to sit with other people and uh, and look people in the eye and maybe even share things about their lives. Yeah, because if you are sitting there, chances are you're going to find out something new about the person you're sitting with. <laughs> so if that doesn't happen, you're just those those conversations aren't going to happen either. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you may find out that they put too much ketchup on their food, you know. But then. <laughs> no such thing, Richard. <laughs> well, there's no easy solution. We can identify the problem that we need each other and that a meal together is certainly good for all of us. But how to make it happen, that's a different story. Well, I think the church can take the lead in that, though. Yeah. I think so. All right. Richard, we love you. Thank you. And Happy New Year to you and yours. Thank you. Thank oh. you. Yeah, and, and to you. And uh, I'll be watching the the Pittsburgh teams and all that. Oh, listen. Here, so. oh, yeah. we, listen, we haven't talked since your Dodgers decided to scoop up all of the available talent. The billion-dollar Dodgers. <laughs> <laughs> it looks to be a great season for you guys, doesn't it, Richard? Yeah. But, you know, it's, I think the... Um, uh, the Taylor Swift uh, Kelsey thing has also promoted a new interest. There may be something good about happening as a result of that. I mean, there there might be. I don't know if I need to see her sixty times in a game, but hey, you're going to get some angry phone calls now. You're you know, right. We might. You're right. All Thank the Taylor you. That is love Do- you, Richard. That is Dr. Richard Mao. Richard, we love you. Very nice. We'll take a quick break. What's ahead? Uh, coming up next. The TikTok tunnel girl. Oh, that crazy girl. What is happening? Right. Anyway, we'll find out if she's still digging under her house. I don't know. Stop that. We live in a world where nothing surprises people anymore. But then once in a while you hear a story and you go, what? That's surprising. Such is the case with the TikTok tunnel girl who has been building this massive tunnel that goes out from underneath her house, apparently into a a large side yard. Now, she's posted these videos. She's gotten millions and millions of views on TikTok, and she has to be an engineer because I'm just looking at a recap video of her work. It's not as though she's like... Is she doing it herself by hand? Yes, yes. She's digging it herself. Yes. 
I mean, she's showing concrete block, welding, excavation. She's got an elevator in there Come that on. takes the dirt out of there. I mean, it's and, wild. And why is she doing it? I think she just did it as on a whim. My guess is, and I don't know anything about this woman. Probably our listeners know more about this than I do. And maybe, Lex, you know more about her. She looks as though she's an engineer. What do you know, Lex? She is an engineer on TikTok mm. who, uh, when she bought the home in 2010, I believe, uh, she's wanted to do this. She apparently is making a um, a storm shelter underneath her house. Um, it's 22 feet below her house. It is. And the tunnel leading down to it is like 30 feet long. It's huge. Oh, my huge. gosh. It's concrete block. Mm-hmm. It looks secure to me. Yeah, she is an engineer, so she knows what she's doing to some degree, but she doesn't have a permit from the city to do it. Okay, so the thing is, though, she said in, in this video that I watched that the video process should be easy because her home is not sitting on top of the tunnel. So there she is in northern Virginia. Wait, you mean the permit process? Right. Okay. So there she is in northern Virginia. My guess is she has a large side yard that's where the tunnel is is constructed. I hope so. <laughs> because the house itself it's under somebody else's house. Yeah, no, right? that's the big thing. Like the neighbors called it in and that's why she's getting shut down because they they didn't know about it until the neighbors started calling and saying, "Hey, we're seeing this woman who's hiring like a dump truck to take all this dirt from her yard." Where's it coming from? Where's it coming from? Where's it going and why is it happening? Well, to look at this recap, she did a, re- a recap video of the year. I mean, it's massive, and I can only imagine the money that she spent. However, she must be making some sort of handsome income on TikTok alone to provide the materials that are necessary to build this tunnel. It looks as though she is some sort of, in air quotes, engineer, whether it's civic, civic, mechanical, structural. She kind of looks to me like she knows what she's doing, because what she's doing is massive. Fabulous. Okay, so, but, but she's shut down now, Lex. Yes, because she got a... um, Ceased order, right? Yeah, a ceased order because she didn't get a permit to do it. And so the city has to come in and basically make sure everything is like up to code and safe. And she needs to get a permit to do that. Yes. A spokesperson, I'm reading from WUSA 9, which is a TV station in uh, Northern Virginia. A spokesperson for the town where she lived shared the following statement on Tuesday. Quote, receive notice that activity is potential violation of the uniform statewide building code was occurring at a residential property within the town's corporate limits. Now, she's asked, I'm going to step away from that. She's asked to remain anonymous. She doesn't want people to know where she lives. Let me continue. As a standard protocol following such notifications, representatives from the building officials and zoning administrator's offices conducted a site inspection on Thursday, December the 7th, 2023. The town is working with a property owner to correct any violations and ensure that the property is safe and in compliance with the code. I mean, do yourself a favor. Go find this online because it's fascinating what one person is doing by herself. Does she also look very strong? Uh, um, I can't comment on that. I really really don't. She's not featured deeply in the videos. It's more like the work that's being done, which is really weird. That's... Amazing. Yeah. All okay, right. take a break. Come back. The Weekend Review. Yes, it is. The things we've been talking about this week, the things that we've been eating, watching, and listening to. Just that's the beginning. It's been another week. That means it's time for John and Kathy's Week in Review. What was everyone talking about this week? One thing national, one thing local. Claudine Gay, 
and Harvard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that really ran through the news cycle in a deep way. Incredible. And it's a story that's fascinating. It covers a lot of different aspects, right, of race and academia and all sorts of things that... <laughs> Every time I, you know, there's so many opinion pieces about this. Right. Uh, it's worth a deeper dive. Claudine it, Gay in Harvard. Right. And it, uh, it impacts, I mean, it, it impacts people at Harvard, but it's also impacted by what's going on on the other side of the world in the Middle East. Yeah. I mean, it's just really fascinating, Isn't right? it though? Yeah. Uh, I'd say locally, um, people are talking about Kenny Pickett. Uh, and in the rumor, which has been unsubstantiated, refusing to suit up as a backup, mm-hmm. and the continued rise, hopefully, of Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and just the everybody wants to know what's going on inside that locker room. Yeah. Especially in that quarterback corner. You're like, how are they getting along? What's going on? I bet it's easy. Oh, I bet it's awful. You think? I bet yeah. it's not. Yeah. These are guys, on. no, I don't think so. No, I, I bet it is. I hope it's not. What was a conversation that made you think? Uh, Wednesday at uh, 4.15, we talked to uh, Sarah Ekoff uh, Zylstra, and she told a story about a church planner with cancer who isn't giving up. And the pre-story of this young boy, I mean, his horror of a life Mm -hmm. and how God has used this so mightily and his resolve now in the spite in despite a terminal cancer prognosis in his 20s in his 20s but he loves the lord and this guy is just all sold out yeah i mean just loves everything about it uh really it's an excellent story what a church planner with cancer why a church planner with cancer is not giving up uh, I picked yesterday, uh, which was the Thursday show, 435 with Charlie Camosi. Uh, we talked about contraception. <laughs> One of those, you know, yeah. breezy conversations. Sure. No big deal between Catholics and Protestants and men and women and, you know, <laughs> Democrats and Republicans. I and loved it. I thought it was fascinating. I thought it was fascinating, too. And as with a lot of these social issues... You think it's about one thing. Mm-hmm. You think it's just about the pill. And then you realize it's about a lot of things. Yep. It's about a lot. of It's it's how genders in, interreact. It's about uh, opportunity and yep. how it's extended to boys and how it's extended to girls. Family. Family, uh, church, yep. uh, what you think God's will means. So it's about Sexuality, theology. Yep. Right. All these things. I mean, it's and, uh, and science. Mm-hmm. Also, too. Really fascinating. So that was the first. I think we're probably going to have to return to that conversation probably. multiple times. Anyway, that was yesterday's show. If you missed that, if you missed the conversation John talked about or anything else, you can just check out our podcast. What are you reading? Uh, at the start of the new year, um, I've turned the corner and I've left Truman behind. Have you? Yes, I have. How was it? <laughs> Short. Okay. <laughs> In a longest kind of way. But I'm reading, um, I'm like several chapters in, uh, Joan Chittister's book. Uh, the Rule of Benedict, oh, okay. a spirituality for the 21st century. Uh, I've been fascinated by the Rule of Benedict. Yeah. It's a 1,500-year, and you could call it a rule, mm-hmm. but it's a it's, it's a way of it's a pattern. It's a way of life, life right? Uh, it, it deals with relationships and prayer and work and all these things. And there's this man, Benedict, an actual guy who lived 1,500 years ago, and he put down his thoughts on this is what I think what it is to be living a life in Christ. 
And believe me, in 2024, it still deeply resonates. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rule of Benedict is spirituality for the 21st century. Joan Chittister. Oh, that's, she's in a very interesting person. Isn't she? She really is. Um, I'm reading Paris, uh, the story by Edward Rutherford. It's a long tale of the city of Paris starting at its uh, earliest incarnation uh, when the Romans looked at the bend in the river and said, well, that would be a good place for a city. Mm. Um up until the current day. And it's not a book of history. It's fiction. But um, Edward Rutherford traces the history of the city through the history of four families. And boy, it's well done. I've been both listening to it on audio and reading it mm. because a lot of it is in French and I can't understand the names. Sure. And so I need some kind of visual. So I kind of have to use both. And it's a daunting task. It's almost 900 pages. But uh, I am really, I would love to go to France. Yes. I'm dying to go to Paris. So it's kind of like the next best thing. Anyway, uh, Paris by Edward Rutherford. What did you eat? Well, it's New Year's. In our house, what am I eating? Pork? Pork and sauerkraut. Are you really? Oh, yes, I am. And loving it. Yeah, we went out last night, and uh, so there was a brief little interlude from the time I got home before we went out. I went to the fridge. There was leftover pork cutlets and big chunks of sauerkraut. I heated it up in the microwave. Oh, my gosh. Satisfying as all get out. My kids look at that Mm. and think, that's disgusting. Right. I love it. Do you love sauerkraut? Um, I don't particularly like sauerkraut. Don't you? No, and mm, my husband can't eat it, so it's never... It's on it's, your home. Right. It's, yeah. it's never anything that I make. I love it. But, well, that's awesome. I decided to use the same substance, and I made a Mexican slaw. What? Pork and yeah, sauerkraut no, slaw? No, I didn't make pork and sauerkraut slaw, because, of course, <laughs> I can't do that. But I did make... Uh, chicken tacos and shrimp tacos for New Year's Eve. Mm. And uh, so my husband had the shrimp because he can't eat meat. And I had the chicken ones. And boy, they were really, really good. The slaw was sweet and spicy. Mm, Excellent. And really, it was made mostly with lime. Man, it was so good. So cabbage can do a lot of different Uh, things. Yes, it can. Yeah, Happy New Year to cabbage. Mm -hmm. What did you watch? I am streaming something, which I love. It's on uh, Max, HBO, Julia. Mm. And it is the story of, of course, Julia Childs. Now, maybe a decade or so ago, there was a film, Julia and Julia, and there were two, two Julias, Julia Childs and a young woman named Julia. Well, the story of Julia Childs really needs to be told. And this, I'm in season one, episode maybe eight or nine. She's wonderful. Is she? The story So Meryl Streep plays her in that movie you were talking yes. about. Who plays her you in this? You know what? I'm you sorry. Don't I name? don't know. Okay. No. But it's a really, really uh, deep dive into Julia Childs. And it's so, she's so unusual. And a star who really shouldn't have been a star. But if you like. She's kind of like the anti-star. Yes. Almost, right? She's quirky and funny and she, you know. But boy, she made for television. It's streaming right now on Max. Julia, uh, we're loving it. And, Sarah uh, Lancashire. I don't know who. She, I don't know yeah, who she Sarah is. Sarah Lancashire and uh, David, David Hyde, Hyde Pierce. You know whom? Him from Frasier. Great, of course. He's her husband. What a really fun, fun show. Wow. Okay. I would really like to check that out. Um, I've been watching something that certainly has a way different feel than that. Um, I discovered a show called Shetland, which is a uh, masterpiece theater type of situation, mm-hmm. but not made in the in uh, England, but made in Scotland. And I love to watch foreign films and TV shows because I love how... St- 
people tell their stories. It's different than how we tell our stories yeah. in America. And so this story about the Shetland Islands, which is up north in Scotland, um, from the Shetland Islands, you can see Iceland, you can see Norway, and you can see Greenland. So it's up there, man. Um, living in, a, in geography like that changes you mm-hmm. as a person and as a, a small community. It is so Gorgeous. Streaming where? Streaming on Amazon. Okay. You might need BritBox to get it, which is a sub-channel on Amazon. Sure. But man, what a beautiful show Excellent. to look at. And I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to it right now. Shetland. What was the best news you heard this week? Well, Happy New Year. Yeah, exactly. I mean, seriously. Woo-hoo! Thank you, sir. <laughs> I mean, really, I'd prefer you bang some pots and pans on your porch at midnight, but I'll take the woo Right? If you... You have to be optimistic. You have to. You have to. I mean, I know the world's just kind of crazy town, but as you turn the page, you're yep. grateful for what 2023 yep. brought and look forward with the bounty of 2024, whatever that looks like in your world, yep. right? Yeah. Praise God. It's yep. a new start. 2024 yeah, is here. It is. And I just thought to myself when I woke up on New Year's Day, I thought, you know, you, you have these fears. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Well, you know what? The goodness of God is so good. Yep. That he promises that whatever happens, he will turn it around for our good, good. for our good, which is such it's a ridiculous promise. But I've seen it happen a thousand times. So it's my hope for the New Year as well. Excellent. What have you been listening to? Well, so we're in this period now. I mean, Christmas time and I I can't let Christmas music go. Oh, yeah, you're still good. I'm still playing Christmas good. music. Uh, this is a piece by um, a man by the name of Hector Beloys, and it's um, from 1854. It's a huge work. It depicts not just the childhood of Christ, but also Herod's murder of the infants in Judea, which led to the fleeing of Mary and Joseph. The shepherds fell well. Uh, it's, it's just really big, and there's a tiny slice of this I'd like you to hear. Fonts du Christ. The composer is Hector Beloys, B-E-R-L-I-O-Z. It's just, I hate to say goodbye to Christmas music Mm. because it's always so beautiful. How about you? Well, it's not a surprise, right, that mine's different. Yeah.
the Ezra Collective. Just Latin. This, you know, this is a group of London-based jazz players. Really? What? London? Yeah, London-based. Um, and two brothers. One plays the drums. One plays the bass. And this is from their tiny desk, which uh, we discovered over Christmas break. I think I've watched it five times since cool. then. It's ridiculous. What are they called? Uh, the Ezra Collective. You mm. have to check them out. Thank They're you. just incredible. assumption, right, that opposites attract. I mean, look at who you married. Yes. Couldn't be more different. Yes, I am very different from my husband. I am very different from my wife. We are totally opposite in so many ways. Mm-hmm. However, we were attracted. We are attracted. Yes. We we cling to that. Yeah, right. It's great, but it's also a source of tension at times. Yeah. Like, how can you be that way? I don't understand why that, right? But this is what it is. Now, this is a scientific assumption, right? And it's been... What, that opposites attract? Yes. Yeah. It's been tested, of course, and vetted. But I'm reading a new piece at Ars Techia, which is a website that we follow. Called, and the headline is, Forget the Proverbial Wisdom, Opposites Don't Really Attract, Study Finds. So a peer-reviewed study from 2023 says that um, personality traits of so-called big five uh, traits... Neuroticism, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, and conscientiousness, those big five, currently the professional standard for social psychologists who study personality. We all have those, of course. Mm -hmm. When we meet people, we think that we're leaning in towards that, but they're saying something different, that we're not necessarily doing that, that instead um, we're looking at traits like Height, weight, medical condition, all those of the years are mostly positive. Those other five big traits take a back seat to the physical characteristics first, right? And so you have to work. What, so like I'm not going to be, I, I was attracted to my husband because he was tall? Yep. Really? Initially, Right. And then those big five take place. But what, then, the, the agreeability stuff? Yeah. I mean, the, that kind of stuff? Neuroticism, extroversion, openness, agreeableness, conscientiousness. The other traits studied included such things as educational attainment, IQ score, political values, religiosity, problematic alcohol use, drinking, quitting smoking, starting smoking, quantity of smoking, all those kind of things. They come up not too further down the line once you get to know somebody a little bit better. But initially, you're attracted to those things, but then in the long term, that's the the complete and total opposite. So what you're attracted, so it's saying that the things you're attracted to at first are not the things you're attracted to after time. Yep. I think that that holds true in a lot of marriages, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I -hmm. think so. Yep. The strongest correlations for couples were for birth year. And traits like political and religious attitudes, educational attainment, and certain IQ measures. Couples tend to be similar when it comes to their substance use, too. Heavy drinkers tend to be with other heavy drinkers. Teetotalers tend to pair with fellow teetotalers. There are also a handful of traits among the couples where opposites did seem to attract, most notably whether one is a morning person or Mm. a night owl, tendency to worry, and also hearing difficulty. (laughs) 
The weakest correlations were for traits like height, weight, medical conditions, and personality traits. All these were most still mostly positive, apart from extroversion, which somewhat surprisingly showed almost no correlation. I don't know. You like what you like. Listen, I feel like the reason that my husband and I do as well as we do is because of how different we are. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about that. But you had to learn to recognize those differences and then work through them. I, but I, th- I don't, I don't buy that, that don't. study. That new stu- No, I, th- I really do think opposites attract. I mean, I do think you have to, family, you have to have certain commonalities, like what they were saying about drinking or not drinking or religiosity. Smoking. I think that's very valid right. as being a, an initial thing. I think that's like attitude. We're, we're going to cut it out if you know if those things aren't agreed upon. But after that. I think it's the the differences that because there are just too many of us who are married to people who are so so much different. Because initially, that's fascinating, isn't it? I guess so. That's not yeah. of me. So what? right. So what that's are, why you're attracted to yeah. it. Yeah, they open up the door and you fall for that. You right. go, what is that? I like, have wow. no idea. Wow, that guy budgets. What? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> she budgets. So true. She doesn't want to spend any money. That is fascinating. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> okay, think back to people that you almost married. Yeah. Now, do you see that like a likeness or difference as like supporting that study you just read or yes, not? Yes, okay. I do. Okay. You're right. With with past romantic partners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and don't you feel like, you know, you dodged a bullet here, you dodged a bullet dodged there. Dodged a bullet. Right? I almost got I married thinking? to the wrong person. Is that, is that, that was, a thing? I was, well, I think so. Of course In it my is. case, uh, it is. Look at the divorce rate. And exactly. In is, my case, it was. Yeah. I would, I would have missed out on the greatest thing in the world if I would have gotten married earlier. But when you look at the divorce rate, people are opting out way too quick. Way too soon. Right? Because people get divorced within the first five years of marriage. Once you decide to do it. Or how about these people that get divorced after 30 years? You think, oh my gosh. Once the kids have left the house. And and it's just, you've spent too much time building a thing to just tear it down. Well, like what? The golden bachelor thing? Like you want to start over? Like seriously. You're married 30 plus years and you want to start fresh? That's way too difficult. Yeah, but both of those lost their, their partners. Right. To death. So, I mean. But could you imagine, I mean, seriously, going out in the dating pool again? Heaven help us. I'd be the worst. Heaven help I us. I would be the worst. Stay married if you're married. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.